1: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. ba 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 Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast, the podcast as we call it. It's your chance to come with us for an adventure into the countryside each week to meet rural folk, encounter marvellous wildlife, and enjoy a welcome blast of freedom and fresh air. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast and editor of the magazine. This week is a particularly special one. With lockdown, I didn't think I'd get to listen to Nightingales in 2020. But my friend and nature writer Kevin Parr, has been out on an early morning mission in deepest Dorset to track down this incredible songster. I found this recording profoundly moving and I'm just a little bit envious. I hope you enjoy it too. It's another
1: early morning. Very early. And another cold early morning. If uh, my car thermometer is to be believed, then it's... Still below freezing, minus one. Mid-May, uh, we've had a cold, icy wind, pushing uh, pushing cold air down from the Arctic for about five days or so. And I'm in the Blackmore Vale, which is a lovely wide valley with the Stour, River Stour, the Lyddon in North Dorset, and I'm hoping, I've come to a bit of private land, I've been tipped off, that I should find a bird here that's quite unusual in Dorset. I can hear it already. Uh, and I'd normally, well, in fact, I've never got up early to come and listen to to one. Pause to, just to say a few words and a and nightingale just trilled beside me. It's a little, and there's another one answering it. It's hard to know whether to try and get closer to one or the other or hope they keep going they're not, they're not singing with huge conviction perhaps I left it a little late even though it's still I can just see the sun appearing now having followed the moon this morning I rose with it as it came up over the ridge opposite I'd always normally come here or, or come looking for nightingales in the evening not that I'm looking for them I'm always listening for them but I was advised uh, that the mornings have been better they've been singing better first thing the only drawback being that everything else sings so well first thing and tends to drown them out a little and they were gain a name from singing through the night which is a tendency especially if the um, the males are still looking for a mate so when they first arrive they sing a lot harder they're probably not fond of this cold not fond of me either I dare say and with not that many birds here and there's a chance they're not having to having to sing too hard to find a mate or to prove their territory because there's so much room. This area of Blackmore Vale North Dorset It's a wide, wide valley, chalky either side, lots of clay and green sand underfoot, which is not a lot of good agriculturally, some of it. So you get pockets of this common land that would have been used for grazing in centuries past and nothing else, no good for crop. And it's obviously where once there was a a very strong population of nightingales and they're hanging on, as you can hear, but not with any great longevity, I fear. I was hoping I'd get a full full rendition then but he's gone a bit quiet again. I heard a sad tale about another piece of common only a mile or so away where in recent years it's been up to ten singing males and there was a lovely thick eight yard wide blackthorn which was where the nightingales loved and it's been removed sadly and uh, last year there was just one bird one singing male and if that pattern continues in these little pockets then uh, they will dwindle to nothing at some point. It's rather like a puddle after a rainstorm that recedes and just leaves little pockets of water, which where there's slightly deeper areas. And, and as the nightingale populations headed back into the southeast and pull back from these extremes and we're on the edge of the range here in Dorset it's just left these little holes these little pockets, pools where they cling on and, and will cling on as long as they can because the habitats are good but at some point you fear that the sun will Dry up this little puddle, this little pool before any more rain comes to replenish it. I've just paused. inside a cattle trough because there's a there's a garden warbler eyeing me suspiciously but singing quite well It's uh, a bird that I always like to see before I make a a, a definite ID because they do sound similar to a black cap. To my ears, the garden warbler's louder, a bit more fluid, and uh, the notes sort of end more like a blackbird. There's there's more flutiness, and the black cap's a bit more scratchy. With any luck? Find a black cap and try and compare the two. It's great. I can see his tail. With every note, his tail's rattling in as he trills. some bird I can hear a nightingale further on which I shall go and try and find thank you Mr Garden Walker There's a a bird here that's really buried. I'm trying to creep up as close as I dare, without disturbing him, because he's singing quite well. place. So I won't say anything more. Such an extraordinary sound. It's just so clear. Hello, I can I thought I could see him but I can't. When I I just heard a nightingale. I, oh, I hadn't realised I hadn't heard one, and I rather presumed I, I must have at some point have heard heard a nightingale sing, and it was about 20 years ago, maybe not quite that long. And my friend Chris invited me to a spot and now far from his home. And how times have changed, or we waited for a nightingale to sing, we, turtle doves pairing around us. But when I heard that nightingale spark up I suddenly <laughs> realised gosh, I haven't heard a nightingale before. Because it was so unlike anything else I'd ever heard. It reminded me of um, or, or rather since I was reminded when I took a trip to Scotland with um, my friend Dan. Dan was writing a book, The Idle Traveller. And he uh, suggested that for a chapter he and I could go to Scotland... Oh, i train, try and see an eagle. Preferably a golden eagle, but it didn't matter too much. And some years before that, Dan had done a tour of Scotland for another book. And I talked to him afterwards and I'd said, did you see any eagles? And he was pretty sure he had, but for a long time, there was some uncertainty in his own mind and when we, it was quite an adventure when we went up it was an incredible adventure actually, a, a very action-packed weekend and uh, we went to Mull, mall and it was nearly Christmas and there was a lot of snow and we had a little pocket where we went out and. We'd, we were watching a golden eagle on a very distant ledge as we turned around and a, a white-tailed eagle appeared over this ridge just behind us, looking even more enormous against the white of the snow. And Dan just turned to me and said, I've definitely never seen an eagle before. His eyes were huge. And I'd rather think it was the same sort of sense as when I first heard a nightingale. It's a shame this one didn't read the script and continue singing as I was talking. And the nightingales are being outsung by the garden warpers at the moment. Traffic starting to build. There is one trying to sing his way through, buried deep in the undergrowth. Nightingales. lovers of dense cover. it was uh, long believed that they would only sing with a thorn pressed up against their breast to be honest, I've not seen one today, I've, I've possibly seen one flashing across the path, but they're fairly dowdy, sort of robin-shaped birds, a little big maybe, but uh, without the, the red breast, but superficially similar. And uh, you, you rarely see them. They they tuck up, let their voice do the do their talking. And unfortunately, the habitat that they so love—the really, you know, dense bramble and and the thorns and the impenetrable mass and tangle—is exactly the sort of habitat that we uh, we tidy away far too many neat lines and edges and you come somewhere like this which isn't spectacular it doesn't look as if it is any different really than than any other pocket of common land And I mean that in traditional sense. But as you look around and you suddenly see the spots from where the birds are singing. And you could hide a hundred nightingales in there and you wouldn't see one. Hopefully, you picked up the bullfinches then. And I want to leave you with as much nightingale as I can fit in, even though... So many other birds are trying to drown him out. And it seems appropriate... ...to leave... ...with the words of Isaac Walton... ...who... He's one of the most celebrated anglers was a noted naturalist and I don't like writing things down I like to say things off the cuff but Isaac said, Lord, what music hast thou provided for the saints in heaven, when thou affordest bad men such music on earth? He had a point.
2: Well, I could listen to twice as much of that. It was marvellous, deeply poignant. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin recorded that in the very first days of May. And alas, Nightingales only sing for a few short weeks. So it'll be next year until we hear them again live, I suppose. It just so happened that when Kevin sent in his recording, I was reading a rather wonderful book called The South Country by Edward Thomas, who was a poet and nature writer from the early 20th century. In his book, I discovered an incredible passage that he'd written about nightingales at a time when they were much more common, but still celebrated with wonder. I'd really love to share this with you.
0: One morning, very early, when the moon has not set, and all the fields are cold and dewy, and the woods are still massed and harbouring the night, though a few thorns stand out from their edge in affrighted virgin green and the dim, starry thicket's sigh a moment on us still. Suddenly, the silence of the chalky lane is riven and changed into song. First, it is a fierce, impetuous downfall of one clear note, repeated rapidly and ending willfully in mid-burst. Then, it is a full-brimmed, expectant silence passing into a long, ascendant wail and almost without intervals, another and another, which has hardly ceased when it is dashed out of the memory by the downpour of those rapidly repeated notes, their abrupt end and the succeeding silence. The swift notes are each as rounded and as full of liquid sweetness as a grape, and they are clustered like the grape, but they are wild and pure as mountain water in the dawn. They are also like steel for coldness and penetration. And their onset is like nothing else, it is the nightingale's. The long wail is like a shooting star, even as that grows out of the darkness and draws a silver line and is no more. So this glides out of the silence and curves and is no more. And yet it does not die, nor does that liquid onset. They and their ghosts people each hanging leaf in the hazel thicket, so that the silence is closely stored. Other notes are shut in the pink anemone, in the white stitchwort under and about the hazels, and in the drops of dew that begin to glitter in the dawn. Beautiful as the notes are for their quality and order, it is their inhumanity that gives them their utmost fascination the mysterious sense which they bear to us that the earth is something more than a human estate, that there are things not human, yet of great honour and power in the world. The very first rush and the following wail empty the brain of what is merely human and leave us only what is related to the height and depth of the whole world. Here, for this hour, we are remote from the parochialism of humanity, the bird has admitted a larger air. We breathe deeply of it, and we are made free citizens of eternity. We hear voices that were not dreamed of before. The voices of those spirits that live in minute forms of life. The spirits that weave the frost flower on the fallen branch, the gnomes of underground, those who care for the fungus on the beech root, the lichen on the trunk, the algae on the gravestone. This Hazel Lane is a palace of strange pomp in an empire of which we suddenly find ourselves guests. Not wholly alien or ill at ease, though the language is new. Drink but a little draught of this air, and no need is there to fear the ways of men, their mockery, their cruelty, their foreignness.
2: Well, a big thank you to Hannah Tribe for that enchanting reading from Edward Thomas's The South Country. The most recent edition of this lovely book is published by Little Toller and includes an introduction by a very great modern nature writer, Robert McFarlane. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please do send me some feedback to my email address, editor at countryfire.com, and leave some likes and comments on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. You've been listening to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast with me, Fergus Collins. The podcast is produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks so much for listening.